Hello, my friend. Welcome to another episode of the True to You podcast. This week, I have a really cool interview for you all. This was this was a beautiful one to record, I have to say, because I've had a close relationship with my interviewee for the last few months. She is a lawyer turned women's health and wellness coach, and that career switch alone is a big one for a lot of us to get our head around. And so if you are someone that identifies as the type A driven personality and you're in that high-flying career right now, but you're feeling that maybe there's something else on the horizon for you, then I suggest you tune into this episode because Victoria shares very authentically and very honestly what prompted her to make this switch in her life. And now as a women's health and wellness coach, she helps women in the early years of motherhood. So women with children that are preschool or under the school years age. And the way in which Victoria supports her women is by providing inspiration, education, practical, simple tools She's been amazing on her social media, her storytelling and her accounts of her own experiences throughout the first four years of motherhood. And now she is expecting another little beautiful girl. She is also in the throes of creating health and uh, lifestyle programs and helping women specifically to do what she calls flip old scripts. So those old ways of being and seeing the world that no longer feel like they fit with your new story and deciding what that new story needs to be, especially if you have felt a little depleted by those early years and you're ready to reinvigorate yourself revolutionize your approach and bring some vitality into your life and your spirit. In this interview, we not only talk about Victoria's work and how she specifically helps these women, but I was really interested to dive into how Victoria so easily shares her experiences and does it in a really beautiful way that has created a very connected community, uh, a local community, and I'm sure her community expands around Australia and around the world now. What that journey was like going from law to motherhood and then this new career direction and those identity shifts. And we talk a lot about what that looks like. We talk about the changes that we've also seen generationally from our grandmothers to our mothers to now Victorian eyes generation, which it seems like it's changed so much and especially our approach to to our work and this idea of having a career and coexisting alongside motherhood. It's quite mind-blowing. Uh, my, my grandmother was a bit of an entrepreneur. She had a small business, but I'm sure for her time that wasn't super common. And then my mother's generation, she worked, but it was very much splitting her time between work and raising my sister and I. And now, of course, the generation that Victoria and I are in and a lot of us have spent a good portion of our life up until now focused really hard on our career and that means a lot to us. So what does that look like for our generation and generations moving forward? Anyway, without further ado, I'm very excited to bring this interview to you today. I hope you enjoy this one. This is the True To You podcast, your very own work bestie. Each week, we come together for honest conversations about reinventing yourself and your career, all while navigating a path towards meaningful work. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this.
welcome to the True to You podcast, Victoria. It's beautiful to be here with you today. Mama to be, hey? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I feel so honoured, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I do. Victoria and I were chatting as we got on the Zoom call about this time in her life, which is uh, the second time round. She's at this stage of motherhood, about to give birth in about four weeks. Four five weeks, weeks, yeah. Yes. Yeah, four. <laughs> yes. Yay. So we're going to dive into a bit of that transition process today. And and for her, I, I'm I said to Victoria, I'm very, very thankful for her coming on today because I know that she's also deep in this phase at the moment and to be able to share openly and honestly not only about what you're going through but to be able to inspire and help other women who might be in the same stage or might be recalling this time of their life as well something that Victoria is very very good at she's really nailed the ability to be authentic and tell authentic stories through her content if you want to jump on and follow Victoria on her social media she takes you very much on a journey of what she's going through right now what she's been through and in particular as it relates to your journey as a mother and I've been fortunate enough to have Victoria as a client for the last three months and it's been a really beautiful journey together, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. It yeah, has. and and seeing you, seeing you, really openly and honestly take on this opportunity to reinvent your business and take it take it in this direction that you so want to go in as well. My first question for you is around this idea of authenticity and what 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 is it about your capacity to be authentic that maybe some people find a bit hard? But yeah, talk to me about mm-hmm. telling your story and being showing up authentically online because that's something that we all really want to do. I think we're very aware that we can show only one side of ourselves through our Instagram or our Facebook or whatever whatever social media platform we're on. Talk to me a little bit about that, what that means to you, how you've cultivated that. Is that easy? Yeah. Is it hard? <laughs> um, it's so funny because that is a question I get asked so often. Um And originally I was thinking, you know, my general answer is it's always been something that just comes naturally to me. Like I've always just been, in fact, I've labelled myself as an oversharer. Like it's just I've always (laughs) verbal diarrhoeed. But I was actually thinking about some of this in that context this morning in the fact that sharing, as I've learned, particularly in the last probably three years, sharing stuff on social media in particular opens us up to so much deeper connection and by being authentic than by putting up like the pretty face all the time and putting up this like I've got everything under control and and that obviously leads into a lot of the discussion about um, motherhood and the stuff that I work with because we all want to put across this picture that we've got everything under control and everything's fine and you know all that rubbish to be honest Mm. um but life isn't like that and as much as you put that you know display or story across to people you're not actually allowing people to truly connect with you um and yeah go through the real life with you um so I think that's probably why it always has come naturally to me because I would rather be authentic, show my real self, truly connect with others. If they feel the connection with me, then, you know, awesome. If they don't, then I'm not their person and you can easily move on with life and <laughs> like, yeah, um, I don't know if that answers the question. But oh, totally, yeah. totally. On that idea of connection and what 
really what you're saying is that sharing when it's right for you to share parts of your story and what you're going through, if, if that also aligns with your, it very much aligns with what your business mission is about too. So there's a piece there of, of inviting women into your community to perhaps connect with you, maybe one day explore your work and working with you. But initially it opens that, at least opens that doorway. It says, hey, I know I know what it's like. I've been through this as well. This is my story. Like you said, you don't have to resonate with all pieces of it, but part of it might give you a permission slip or part of it might inspire you to make a change and really showing both sides, like you say, not just the transform- transformed woman. That's but right. Also where that woman's come from. Yeah, that and the fact that it doesn't end it doesn't stop the journey continues like we don't hit a point where we've nailed everything and we've got everything sorted and you know like it is a never-ending transformation Mm. so and again giving yourself permission and the like self-compassion I guess to be okay with that like yeah it's always a work in process (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes, it so is. Because there's always going to be something put in front of you yeah, to yeah. test you or, as we were talking about before, bringing up uh, perhaps, you know, it's the same, it's um, you've the familiarity of I've been here before. Mm, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. Right. Uh, do you think in terms of your community, how important has it been to you to build a big following versus build an engaged, connected community? Because also your other work that you've been a part of as, as a coach and in the physical coaching space, you've been part of a community there as well. And we're not talking about thousands of women I would love to know if that's been intentional for you, whether you're like, oh, I would love thousands of followers or whether it's really been about creating those relationships. Yeah, definitely more so about creating authentic relationships. So as I said, there's no point in having a million followers. Um, Yeah, to me, there really isn't. There's no point in having that many followers if they're not, genuinely connecting and getting and for me my content as much as it's authentic and um in real life stuff it's always with the intention to serve and to help others throughout their own journey so if I'm not if there's a million followers there and I'm not connecting or they're not connecting with what I'm writing then what's to me what's the point Mm. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and perhaps you feel like you have to appeal to all million people that might not, it might mean That's you right. water things down a little bit, right? That's right. Not yeah. truly yourself because you feel like, oh, I've got a million eyeballs on me. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and I'm worried about trolls and what all that, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Let's Let's dive a little bit into your story and take me back to what you did in your previous career before (laughs) these current iterations of your career Mm -hmm. you were a lawyer is that right I was a lawyer yes yeah yeah so interesting was law a path that you followed from a young age talk to me about your journey into law and what that looks like for you um yes it was so I don't yeah I didn't have a gap year or anything in between school I literally finished school straight into it you have to do a double degree or you did at that point um so I did law and business um through uni which was a five-year degree um and so I did that distance worked full-time the whole time I was studying um and straight out of uni into full-time practice and a practice is like a general practitioner in a local rural local firm 
um, and then slowly kind of ended up specialising in family law. Um, so all of that was probably 12 to 13 years. Um, and I guess the ori- origins of that now on reflection were um, I'm one of four kids and I was deemed as like the smart kid of the family, like, you know, the, <laughs> the one that was going places, whatever. So I think when I look back at that and I look, there was this expectation that you were going to do like, you know, what culture thinks is um, something reputable or whatever it is um, or something that smart kids do. That then coupled with, I guess, again, like social influence and um, I remember I was like the biggest fan of JAG. Do you remember that show? Like the um, American military lawyers. I loved And that was like pretty much like as a young kid, that was like, oh, I want to do that one day. And then that's just how it went. Like smart kid combined with society's expectations and like just what you, what moulds you, I guess. Um, that's how I ended up there. And then everything changed when I had Gracie. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me a little bit about what happens when you become a mama. Does do your priorities shift slowly? Do they shift or did they shift overnight for you once that baby was in your arms? And um, obviously you were starting, you started to think, is law really right for me? What, what, mm. yeah, what happened in that process? Yeah, I would say certainly, obviously there's a massive shift that happens. For me personally, it was a slow one. Um, so for me, it, it did start while I was pregnant. Um, just this quiet whisper, I guess, in my heart that was like, is this really what I want to come back to as a mother? Um, for me personally being like a really, um, what do you, what would people call it? Like type A. Ambitious. Um, yeah, like perfectionist, all that kind of stuff. I My job was always very stressful and I always put a, like every part of me into it so that whisper started for me like thinking of along those lines like how am I going to juggle being a good mother whilst keeping up with that um yeah so it started with that little whisper and then as and then when I it was like nearing maternity leave and I think at that point my mindset was look, if I'm going to come back to law, I'm going to, I will come back in within my own business. I don't want to work for someone again. Um, again, the perfectionist coming out and I was never happy with how people manage their businesses. So that's how, where my head was at when I, st- when I started maternity leave, that I was going to come back to law eventually, but it would be on my own terms. Um, and then things kept transforming after Grace was born to then a point where my maternity leave was coming up and I just knew um, I wasn't ready and I just didn't want to go back into that lifestyle. Um, don't get me wrong, like I always loved what I the, the job that I did. Like I loved family law and I loved the process and helping people and, you know, through that, which is another massive transformative time in your life. Um, but obviously that requires a huge amount of energetics, you know, um, holding space for people. And I just knew that I couldn't do that and be the mum I wanted to be with Grace. It's, uh, I can't even think how that time must change you. For you, you were saying it was, it was slowly tapping you on the shoulder. That's right. Um, Yeah. And so what did you end up doing after Grace was born and then maternity leave was up and then you eventually found yourself in uh, personal training and coaching women? Yeah. How did that yeah. how did that all come about? <laughs> um 
Wow, that's how did you land on that from law? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was helping people and helping families, and you probably saw the women and the Mm. um, in Mm. the scenario as well, and and Mm. had some empathy for them. Look, I think that then ties into I think what a massive shift for me in terms of the becoming a mother. You go through a complete identity shift. Um, and for me, my life then became about my legacy. Mm. So I don't think I'd ever even considered that before I became a mum. Like I just, you just do what you do, what's expected of you. You go to uni, you have a career, you get a mortgage, all that stuff. But I'd never really considered like legacy and what, what I was here for and what, um, yeah, the mark that I wanted to leave. And obviously when you have a child, you're, you're faced to address that because it's a reality. Like, um, So I guess that combined with the transformation that I was um, going through in terms of mental and physical struggles, I'd always loved um, training. Like the gym was always something that, helped me improve my mindset and obviously physical health um so I ended up as a part of my healing process um joining a gym local to me and it was the most is the most incredible community of it's a women's only gym um and obviously the classes I were going to it was 9.30 classes, so it was lots of other mums going through similar things as me. Um, It just was really a natural progression. Um, So connecting with women there and seeing them transform in the gym, then I also became very, very passionate about a whole, like, holistic health and everything to do with health. And, again, that ties back into the legacy piece because, when you become a mum, you realise every choice that you make every day impacts someone else's life. So I also studied um, a holistic nutrition course at the same time and, yeah, it all just kind of fell into place in that sense. So, hmm. Did that feel really natural? More did, did the law feel like a natural... When you look back, did it feel like a natural series of events or do you think you were making those decisions based on what's the next right thing for me to do here, based on what I see everyone else around me doing? And then now you're faced with this decision of leaving law and then what's my next iteration of my career going to look like? It sounds like those decisions became much more heart-based yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Much more intuitive, yeah. So as a, like the law piece was all external stuff, whereas now it's, yeah, I guess much more internal, I think mm. you would describe it, yeah. Yeah. One of the pieces that you speak about in terms of legacy is identifying your values. And I find this to be interesting because, I'm very interested in things, subjects like marketing and helping clients with marketing. And so values comes into that in terms of your mm. brand and your company. Mm. But then there's, there's often this expectation that we should know our values when it comes to our personal life and mm. creating a life and a legacy based on values was that very easy for you? Was that an intuitive thing? Is that something that you had to really dig into? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It takes a lot of digging because what I call in my past life, which means pre-baby, yeah. <laughs> um, I'd never even really considered my values. You Like especially or if you did, I would look at my values more in the context of, as I was saying before, like what's expected of me or what's society's opinion of the next step as opposed to my intrinsic values, like what me, like, you know. And I think those values will 
your personal values are always there. It's just whether we actually are aware of them or not. <clears throat> but becoming aware of them is a massive process. What's some of yeah. the things that you did or that you help the women that you work with to uncover what their values might be? Because one thing I'd also say on that is that values it comes through as a product of our story of our lived experiences as well mm, and mm. I think that's we've been talking about the word priorities and priorities shifting and I think sometimes when we're clear on priorities we're also much clear on our values and values yeah business. yeah that's right yeah what's the process that you take people through to uncover their values oh um it's a hard one to answer in one question. <laughs> so part of it is like recognising your story up until now mm. um, and how that's made you the person that you are and probably reflecting on, I was going to say, you know, some of the negative um, stuff that's happened and how you've responded to it and deconstructing that a bit, but I, not even so much the negative, like it's just deconstructing your story up until now mm. um then I guess looking at yeah the your the vision that you see for the future and your legacy when again deconstructing that story and what that looks like you will find pieces of the values within that if that makes sense <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I guess a, a big piece of, for me personally anyway, in determining what my values were is it's easy for us to look at things and say I don't want that or I don't want X, Y, you know, which then when you flip it helps you clarify what you do want, what your values are. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes, yes. And yeah. that probably relates a little bit to your past story and that transition from the old you to the new you through the guise of motherhood. You might look at some of those experiences that you had, had that at the time might not have seen as negative, but now you look back and and they may not have had a great impact on you. And so that often tells you what you don't want, right? That's we correspond right. Yeah. things with, I don't want to be that mom for you. You realize mm. I don't want to be that mom that is at work five days a week and working overtime and is in a, and, and particularly for you, I think it comes back to purpose too. You you would be okay spending the hours, right? Because you know that's also your personality too, is you're going to put everything mm. into it. But you realized I'd be okay doing with that, but if it was aligned with what I actually want to do and I was modeling an example of a mother or a woman, particularly for your daughter. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah was on purpose and so sometimes it doesn't mean that you totally reject that old part of you and you reject all of those things that you value because you might actually still value hard work that's right yeah yeah, yeah. just in a different context <laughs> yes 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 uh so interesting isn't it we've spoken a lot over the time together that we've had and it's been really really lovely to spend this time with you as you've been growing a baby and see those shifts and <sighs> see you really get that next level of clarity too I think there's something there's nothing like an impending due date whether it be a project <laughs> right. real life baby getting married whatever it is <laughs> yeah. to go oh man I've got to get clear like shit's, got, mm. shit's getting real <laughs> <laughs> what do I want here? And one thing we, we've spoken a lot about is comparing in a, in a great way, in a really positive way, the generational shifts that have happened from our grandmother's era through to mm. our mother's era, through to our era. And, and what we've seen across three generations compared with our grandmother and her great-grandmother and, and those generations prior is such a rapid shift in terms of 
women being mothers and having a career and those things working in harmony and parallel Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and what that what that means and some of some of us will have examples of mothers that were career women but then some of us and you've spoken to me a bit about this because your mum was a stay-at-home mum wasn't she Yeah. yeah yeah and so that concept of having a career is is quite a new thing of of molding your career as well. I think sometimes I speak to my mom and she's just blown away by especially more this millennial culture and how they change and move around and nothing's everything's in flux all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe some of our priorities go out the window in that process as well and it's it's just all about you, but it's really interesting having those conversations. And I think what her expectations are, and she's definitely flexible, but I'd love to know what that was like for you to decide that you wanted a career alongside motherhood, number one. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, it was a tough one <laughs> and it still is um, because it's as you're saying, like uh, my mum was a mother of four on a who devoted her life to being a mother of four on a rural farm in the middle of nowhere with no support, like we had no family around us. Um, so that piece for me has been a massive one in my own transformation because, and, you know, I still have to work on it daily because it comes with this massive amount of, like, guilt and shame about not wanting to be the same kind of mother um, because, like, do, I look at my mum and I think she was, and I think we most of us do, I just think she was the most amazing mother to us as young kids and I wouldn't have wanted any other upbringing. So there's that piece of it, but there's also this massive piece of my own individuality saying, but that doesn't suit me. I would, I do go absolutely insane if I'm not producing something or I'm not, you know, like, feeling like I'm putting something out into the world outside of being a mum. So, yeah, it's it's a daily struggle. But, again, I think it comes back to what we've been talking about in knowing your values and knowing the legacy you want to leave because for me personally, like the answer to all of that, even though you deal with the guilt and the shame and all the stuff on a daily basis, like I still struggle dropping Grace off to daycare, like, every day. Um, But I have to remind myself that I'm doing what makes me happy, which is then going to make Grace happy. And it sets the example for her. So as much as we've got all this generational stuff behind us that says this is wrong, this is, you know, I focus on the future and what I want so, you know, so I want Grace to get to the point where she's deciding on a career or whatever she wants to do with her life and she's doing it based on what's going to make her happy as opposed to what's expected and, yeah, um, I guess that's where I work from and try and remind myself of that space every day is that if I'm happy, she'll be happy and I'm setting the example for her that it's okay. Mm. Um yeah, to work where your heart is as opposed to what's expected. Yeah, yeah. How hard has it been for you to then also in the same, the flip side of that is listening to those values, listening to what that legacy is that you want to leave, reminding yourself of that on a daily basis every time a decision comes up that you have to make or a moment, like you say, that where you're dropping her off at the school gate and saying goodbye and how hard that can be. But then at the same time, how do you also balance your 
type A personality, being someone that's driven. And I'm saying this and kind of laughing at the same time because I think it's also, I'm laughing because that's that's where I would struggle a little bit as well because I too am someone that loves to produce. I love to create whatever form it takes. And how how have you dealt with also balancing that out and those expectations because you can't produce at the same volume as what you did pre one or two kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look, I'm a massive one for um, I don't believe in balance. <laughs> um, you just have to play with where you're at, where your heart is at, where your energy is at, at in you know on that day or whatever it is. So, for example, you hit the nail on the head. Like some days, it kills me because I'm like berating myself and just so you know all the yucky things about how little I've produced that day or how little you know I haven't achieved what I'd set out for the week or whatever it is um but then there are weeks where I like the last couple of months working with you where I've pumped out stuff um so I just have to, you know, I think it, again, comes back to that self-compassion piece about this is reality now. You're not going to produce like you used to because you're also raising a life um, and creating a life. That, But it's just being okay with being where you're at. So honestly, there are some days, as I said, they're a real struggle dropping Grace off there. I will drop her off, get in the car and just, cry like (laughs) just at the guilt and all that stuff because you know sometimes if she's had a rough drop off and she she's crying and whatever and it's just the worst feeling in the world as a mum to have a carer like rip your crying child from your arms and I'm I can't handle that anyway so I'll normally be that mum that's sitting there in daycare for half an hour trying to settle their child before they leave um but, yeah, then I'll get in the car and have a big cry and if that day means that I don't produce a lot, that's okay um, because I know there will be days where I'm going to kick ass. Um, yeah, and I think it's there's a lot of um, stuff coming out, you know, in the business space around working with your energy, particularly as females, like working with that um, cycle and flow and all that stuff that I've kind of tapped into as well in that, again, understanding there are periods or cycles where you're going to produce a lot and loving that but being okay that that's not going to be all the time and you can't expect that all the time, particularly as a mum. Mm. Yeah. I'm curious to know because one of the things that – we many of many of us struggle with over the years and building a business makes it no easier as this concept of perfectionism or labeling ourselves as as a perfectionist and I've got some ideas on that that (laughs) some people will agree with and some people won't agree with that whether it really exists Uh, what it means I would love to know though as you've tapped into that natural flow which means there's not a direct on off switch Mm. that the energy is up and down and across the month if you will if you're looking at that in terms of a women's cycle and your capacity to create how has perfectionism played in that do you think that yeah, I'd love to know. Has that changed for you? Because imagine as the lawyer, as I was the architect, perfectionism was something that everybody had mm. because mm. it was a it was a supposed quality that you had to have on the <laughs> yeah, resume almost to, right. yeah. to do the job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but now, with with all that said, with motherhood in the mix. Is perfectionism still there for you? Is it something that you have a different belief around now? 
I would love to know. It's mm. it's, it's a really, really interesting. Um, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's definitely still there. And, again, it's something that I, you just have to work with on a, whenever it comes up, whether it's on a daily basis or whatever. Um, definitely still there. But... And I think, like, I've heard you, your opinions and some of the things that you say, and I agree wholeheartedly with your perspective on perfectionism. Um, but I think, and this has been another big thing that I've learned through working with you, I think I knew it before, but through working with you, I've really started to actually implement that practice of, like, just ship it. Yes. Yeah. Just get it done. That's a because, Seth Godin reference for yeah, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, like I have been, I had this vision of what, you know, the work that I want to put out and the, and the service that I want to provide and for probably three years and have not, you know, under that perfectionist definition reached where I would have hoped in that time and it's purely been perfectionism that stopped me from that because I'll half do things and then it's not good enough so I won't, you know, um, publish it or whatever it is or I won't go ahead with whatever the program or project is that I have in my mind because it's just not good enough. Or So I think, yeah, it's been a massive transformation for me. Just get it done, particularly as mums, because as I said, we don't have the balance. We don't have the luxury of time. We don't have... You know, I'm not one because Grace has always been a terrible sleeper. I know that there are mums out there who will work till all hours of the night or they'll get up really early in the morning. I just don't have that luxury and I don't, not, I wouldn't, shouldn't say luxury, I don't have it within me to stay up late and get up early because I know, again, what kind of person that makes me and it's not worth it to my mm-hmm. family or to mm-hmm. myself. So it's being okay with this is the limited amount of time I have to work. This is what I can get out in that time. Just ship it. (laughs) Like it's okay. And then when you do that a few times and you get the feedback to say, well, how this is amazing, et cetera, you think your your opinions of what was should have been perfect are just ridiculous, you know? I think that answers the question. Yeah, yeah. And, and as she's talking, Victoria's smiling a lot because I think <laughs> she's realizing that she's probably let go of a big, let go of a part of her identity that also, because sometimes I, parts of our identity we want to amplify. And then sometimes there's some things that we realize aren't, aren't serving. And that's right. Yeah. What that comes back to is legacy, right? You, yeah. You, if you come, I was on a conversation before this with someone. I said, I'm going to keep coming back to the big picture or keep coming back to what your goal goal is that you keep telling me. And let's do what we need to do to fulfill on that. And I think for you, you also, you had some deadlines that you couldn't control as well. (laughs) And, uh, utilizing that time that we had together as well to gain feedback in real time rather than saying I'm going to use this three months with Ruby and then I'm going to do the thing I'm going to do the thing while we're working together Mm, mm. (laughs) because then I can get feedback and we can share it in in real time and iterate as we go right and it, it actually made the time together even though there's probably still a lot of other things you wanted to do, but in that time together, we were able to really get clear on a, a lot of things and mm. really use that time powerfully rather than it that being, and, you know, and that's the power of coaching, right? You know, you know that and yes. work with the person where they're at right now, rather than saying, here's a course, go and do it. And then, produce the work mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and sometimes the other way works for people as well I would also say that it depends on where you're at but for where you were at it was mm. definitely a sense of urgency and now is the time <laughs> and I'm going to have to get over some of these things that 
you know, have got got me to where I am. And yeah. yeah it's it's or really not got me to where I want to be. Pardon? <laughs> or not got me to exactly, where I want to be. <laughs> exactly. So let's let's dive into the business then and and what your new business is about. Who do you work with in your business? It's it's probably been pretty obvious to the listeners, yeah. but if you were to sum up who your client is, who it, who is she? Because there's tons of mums out there. There's mums mm. on all ends of the spectrum, mm. on all colours of the rainbow. Mm. Who who are, who are your who are your women? Who are your mums? Yeah. So I would say the women I work with are mums with bubs like under school age Um, because I think I'm a big one again for authenticity and um, I can only teach from the experience and coach from the experience that I have so I don't know what it's like to and I would say that that's a whole nother transformation when bub goes to school Um, so I coach from where my experience is at and that's from you know um, becoming a mum to pretty much preschool age kids. Um, in terms of the mums specifically, I think I would describe them as they're really, really depleted, really, really disconnected, um, but they've got this um, inner drive and inner knowing that life can be better than what it currently is. Um, yeah, so and when I say disconnected, that can be from, you know, having mental illnesses or just being so lost in all of the noise, particularly in the health and wellness space about like what they should actually do. What do I actually take action on um, here and now to make me, to help me feel better? Um, so it kind of, a lot of my coaching revolves around like removing all the noise and coming home to yourself and that inner voice that I was just talking about and taking steps from there. Um, yeah, does that answer the question? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And there's a great process that you take your clients through that you've actually turned into a freebie which people will be able to get their hands on very soon. So make sure you follow Victoria and then (laughs) when it comes out, you can can grab that. But this process called flipping the scripts and rewriting rewriting your scripts on Mm. different areas of your life because from what you've just said, these women prior to having kids were independent thinkers. They very much, they might have been influenced a bit by society, but fairly high achievers. They knew mm. what they want. They had their path carved out for them. And then, uh-oh, hang on a second. Motherhood, this is, I didn't know what to expect. This is completely mm. different. I don't have my old life and who I was, and I want to just run away and go back to that. <laughs> but helping them, and also, like you say, that feeling of, well, what do I want to create for my children now that mm. that I am a mom and I have this possibility in front of me? And one of the ways is this idea of rewriting scripts. What what is this about? What how did this come to you? Um, through three years of um, doing it myself, obviously unconsciously. Yeah, through the process of excavating and deconstructing my own mindset and how I was living and um yeah how I was living day to day and realizing we tell ourselves these scripts or we live by these scripts daily every decision we make everything we do is based on a story that we're telling ourselves um but at the end of the day, it's just a story that we're telling ourselves. <laughs> um, and the power that we have in retelling that story or rewriting that flipped or script or flipping it is everything. It can change everything if you can 
acknowledge that the script is there and then again get back to your values or whatever it is and actually think about okay this is what I'm telling myself is that real if it's not then what like what do I want it to be and then taking the necessary steps from there um so I think that that's where it's come from for me is just the three years of or nearly four since becoming a mum and going through all the struggles and the chaos and the um yeah internal excavation it just came to me one day that I was like it's flipping scripts (laughs) it's rewriting them that's what it all comes down to um whether it be you know your mindset or even down to the food you eat or the exercise that you do or, you know, it's they're all just stories. Mm. Oh, that's so fascinating. And the thing I love about this concept is that it puts the responsibility on you, back on you, and that at the end of the day, you don't have to, you might be running scripts that are someone else's scripts. Yeah. So these, as we were talking before about the change in generations from our grandmothers to our mothers to us. And so you might be carrying a script that's a hundred years old. That's right. right Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you the, the responsibility and also the possibility to create whatever you want. You can create any story you want and and by creating those new stories and those new scripts, you are fulfilling on your legacy ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm interested to know, you mentioned that when you had Grace and there was some struggles with mental illness and uh, it it caused it, or it allowed you the opportunity because the wellness industry was starting to really explode mm. and there was so much available to you to heal yourself that was not a conventional clinical mm-hmm. approach mm-hmm. or perhaps working alongside that. But in that exploration, you gathered all of these different ideas <laughs> on how to do things. And when we started working together, it was like you were Pandora's box. You know, I, I'm passionate about this and I'm passionate about this and I want to take a bit of this over here and a bit of this. And here's my magic recipe. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd love to know what what was it like for you to reconcile all of those passions and and for some for some of us that means letting go of like 90% of the things that we love and realizing these are the things that are actually going to make a great business model and a really powerful direction for me what was that process like because so many of us come into business loving all of these different things we're very creative and yet we know that that can also be holding us back because we want to find the magic formula <laughs> to bring all of these things together and ta-da, here's my business. Talk to me about that process, how that feels now compared to, say, even a year ago when we first connected. And Yeah, yeah. Well, taking it back to, you know, prior to meeting you and working with you, um, as I think I mentioned earlier, like I just felt completely lost in where what I wanted to do, like not necessarily what I wanted to do but how to do it um, and how to have the impact that I knew I wanted to have. Um, so lost because I do have a Pandora's box of with all the stuff that I've learned and um and the health and wellness space is so broad. That's I remember saying that to you. Like, I just have no idea how to narrow this down. And um, so I have to say, for anyone listening, <laughs> if you're feeling lost, um, go Ruby for the coaching because honestly, it has been so so enlightening. Like. I feel so much lighter and so much more passionate and so much clearer now because of the process that we've taken. Um, 
And for me, what, like what that process really looked like and what I think helped me with the clarity is really narrowing down on what my zone of genius was um, as opposed to all the stuff that I was interested in and yeah. could possibly teach people and versus what can I do without even having to think about it? Like and where do and then that the second piece I guess is blending that with um, the people that you really want to serve, what are their real pains and where do they really want to be? Um, so combining the two of like, okay, here's, here's your zone of genius and next to that is who you really want to work with and their real pains, like the um, combining of those two. And then I think the third piece for me is action. Yeah. <laughs> so just starting to take the action based on the the work that I just spoke about and forgetting what everyone else is doing that was a massive one for me because I look at so many I'm inspired by so many other women in the health and wellness space and what they're doing and I've realized that has been a huge part for me is I've spent too much time looking at what everyone else is doing and thinking that somehow I need to replicate that or or combine that into however I'm whatever I'm offering um and just stopping all of that and focusing on what I can offer and what my people need I think yeah that's been the the nuggets in it (laughs) yeah oh that's so I thank you for that that sharing that with me and and reflecting this time back to me because that's really powerful to hear and I really appreciate those kind words as well because it's a partnership too isn't it we've both we through the last three months it's work a little bit and and I think also really slowing down for the last three months too so working work doing a little bit and going really deep in that and then on to the next thing doing a little going on to Mm. and that's Mm. the process that we took rather than trying to go crazy fast Mm. into a big massive goal we've actually slowed it right down and something that I noticed was that you would be surrounded by your niche your ideal clients what whatever your market whatever term you want to put on it in your daily life and your your ability to hear what they were really saying was also much clearer yeah for sure it goes from this is what I think they want to Mm. this is what they're telling me they're actually saying yeah And you're not necessarily trying to listen to every single mother that comes into your space, but those women that you know, uh, I know a bit of their history. I'm, I'm really going to listen to, to what this person is telling me and mm. to get an idea of, of who that market was at the end of the day. It only takes hearing the same thing. A few, times a few times for you to then start to realize this is where this is where I want to work. Yeah. This is where I really yeah. want to help people. Yeah. And that was it's that's that's a piece of the energy puzzle, I think, as business owners, that is is really, really powerful. Once if you're someone like you, you know, it's totally cool if you don't want to niche down and that's not your path. Uh but I think for you and where you're at with your business, that gave you power and it gave you energy back, didn't it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And we forget quickly how much of our energy is taken up by not making decisions or by not narrowing down or saying yes to too many things. And if we just say yeah. yes to the one thing. Yeah. Like it was where we began the conversation about do you want to be throwing a heap of stuff out to a million people or actually helping a few. <laughs> yes. There's a massive difference. Yes, 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 totally. And a few will quickly compound into many. Mm. Mm. Uh, and this is something that I'm really interested in. And in, in the in the power of small business is that we don't have to be building huge companies 
you getting clear on what you need, the legacy that you want to leave, what works for you and, and your partnership financially, things like that. And then creating a business around that as well means that the amount of clients or the amount of customers that actually need to go through our business in a year is not that many. Mm. And so that's that's powerful in itself is realizing oh, wow, okay, I, I really need to only work with this amount of people. And I'm particularly talking to service-based businesses because product-based businesses is, is a little different. It's a mm. little more on volume depending on what your product is. But once, once you narrow down your market, once you decide you don't need to have a million followers and you that is community. And that was a big thing for you as well was yeah. – how can we create a really powerful community? Because at the end of the day, these mamas want to feel connected to something. They want yeah. to feel connected to themselves and they want to feel connected to other women. And if you wanted to, to just focus on scaling it, you might've lost that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, that was, as we spoke about often, that is the center of, one of the centres of what I want to do because in that process of early motherhood you do feel and that was like my pain piece and the pain piece that I see in so many of the mums around me is like the sheer isolation of what we go through in today's society as mums particularly you know if you're a stay-at-home mum or you know working for yourself or whatever it is it's so isolating so that community piece is massive like one of the biggest pieces so again yes it's far more powerful to have a smaller connected community than you know this huge following where you know if we're talking social media people are commenting people are you know liking your but what connection does that actually make? Like, and what, in terms of com- like con- a connected community, community, I actually laugh at that often because I hear social media in- influencers talking about their community, and and I often think like you can have a community of people following you, but that doesn't mean anyone is connected here. Mm. And I think you know, like the example of that is. Early days of motherhood, I would, and when I was pretty deep in depression, I would just spend hours just scrolling social media and I would comment and I would like and all those things on, you know, influencers posts. But was I connected? Mm. Like, not at all. So, yeah, just went on a rant there, but <laughs> that's a huge part of this piece is, and staying smaller, I guess, is you have the opportunity of actually creating connection. Yes, yes. And as I preface that conversation with this is one approach for uh, that we've taken with Vic in order to get her off the ground and get her moving and get that momentum. So if your approach is to to be yeah. an influencer <laughs> and is to have a lot of followers, like that's really cool as well. We're not saying that that's not the wrong way, but if you're clear on your values, align your actions and your goals with those values at the end of the day that's really what it comes back to I would love to round out this incredible conversation it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today woman we always we always (laughs) have amazing conversations in between getting shit done (laughs) as I said earlier (laughs) What are you looking forward to in 2021 in addition to bringing in your baby girl? Mm -hmm. What's on the cards perhaps towards the latter part of 2021 or what you're committed to in the coming year? Yeah. So (laughs) um, obviously the first half is going to be very much um, play it by ear. To how we go with Bub. Um, but the goal is 2021 to be facilitating online programs for mums. So that would probably look like 
um, 12-week programs um, online where we go through some of the tools and processes and things that I've learnt and that I know can help through coaching. Um, but, again, with that sense of community in mind, um, then there's obviously one-on-one coaching that I do. Um, but, yeah, that will probably be, I'm, I'm thinking, March at the earliest. Um, but having said that, I will continue creating content and resources and things that mamas can use in the meantime because that's going to help me <laughs> stay connected and feel like I'm achieving something, which is important to me. Um, but having the flexibility, obviously, around BUP. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, I wish you all the best with Thank you. the birth and after that and, and we will stay connected, I'm sure. So thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.